Welcome to Furry Explained. I'm Finn, a big black cat from the internet, and Furry Explained is my show about furries and their culture. Recently on this show, we've taken a bit of a step back from looking at some of the specifics of the furry fandom and have focused more on the fandom as a whole. Specifically, we've been taking a look at the general public's perspective of the fandom and trying to come to a more clear understanding of what they on the outside think of those on the inside. Now, there are a lot of avenues that we could go down regarding this topic, but one thing that is true about the fandom at large is that it's a lot more, I guess, safe to be a furry these days than it has been in the past. Not so long ago, you could be subject to some real hate if others found out you were a furry. Furries were legitimately bullied by other groups and fandoms, both on and offline, and there was an effort that had to be made to keep your identity as a furry safeguarded away from the general population, only revealing that part of your life to people you trusted or other furries in general. Nowadays, it's not nearly as bad. People are a lot more open when it comes to revealing that they are a furry, and as we've discussed on this show before, for the most part, people simply don't care, or in my experience, actually forget since it's not something I tend to bring up in my conversations with the friends that I do know. But it would also be naive of me to say that everyone is totally accepting of furries, and there is definitely still a large group of people out there that find the fandom and its members quite distasteful. And when pushed on why, there's a variety of answers that they may give as a response. Now, some of them may be legitimate, but again, in my experience and the experience of a lot of other furs, many people still hate the fandom for reasons based on their, frankly, inaccurate view of the fandom. Even though many people might know that the fandom exists, there are still a lot of misconceptions when it comes to some of the specifics of who furries are and what they are interested in. So that's what we're going to explain today. In this episode, we're going to go over some common misconceptions that many people have about the furry fandom. But we're going to do things a little differently today. Instead of taking a deep dive into where these misconceptions come from, we're going to look at the best ways to respond to these misconceptions and correct those who may have them. Now, it is true that you might not be able to change their opinion on the fandom, but that's not really the goal here. This show is all about education, and if you can provide accurate information about this fandom, then at the end of the day, you have done your job. But let's take a look at some of these misconceptions and get to work setting the record straight. Welcome to Furry Explained, and we'll get started right here. Now, before we get into reviewing some misconceptions about the furry fandom, I think it's worth reviewing why a lot of these falsehoods about the fandom are still around. The fandom is definitely considered a modern one, but it's not exactly new. It's been around for a few decades now. Yet we still see many people get a bunch of things wrong about this community. Well, in an effort to try and defend these people who simply may not know any better, 
Part of the reason why all these misconceptions are still around is that the furry fandom isn't the easiest thing to understand. I mean, not to toot my own horn or anything, but look at this show. We've been talking about the ins and outs of the fandom for over a year and a half at this point, and I still haven't run out of things to talk about. And part of what makes this fandom so difficult to grasp is because it is rather unique, insofar that it's hard to make a direct comparison to something similar. Sure, it is still a fandom, but a lot of people already have preconceived notions of what that word means. A lot, in fact, I would argue most fandoms are centered around one concrete thing, something that is commonly created by one specific person or group of people like a studio or media franchise. The furry fandom doesn't really work like that. We're all tied together over the pretty nebulous idea of animals with human-like features, and there are few other fandoms of the size of the furry fandom that are centered around something that is essentially up for interpretation, making it hard to draw comparisons to it. Another thing that adds to this more general confusion about the fandom is the simple fact that furries are a pretty diverse group of people. One of the cool things about being in a fandom that is based on an idea instead of one thing is that anyone can participate in it if they so choose. This then makes the demographics of the fandom pretty hard to narrow down, except for one outlier which we will get into in a little bit. But furries are everywhere and come from a number of different backgrounds, all with their own unique experiences. So trying to make sense of the fandom by looking at its members from a high level can be quite futile. And finally, probably the biggest reason why a lot of misconceptions about the fandom are still around today is because, how, how do I want to say this? I guess some of the things that furries are interested in make complete sense when separated, but when mixed together like they commonly are, they can get pretty dicey rather quickly. When you mix the ideas of humans being really interested in animals to the point where they essentially fantasize about a world where they are more like humans, with members realizing this fantasy by making animal versions of themselves, those concepts don't really make a lot of sense without the proper context. Plus, when you throw the pretty well-known fact that this fandom is rather sex-positive into that mix in any way, you can see how there can be a genuine cause for concern for the people who participate in this community. All of this is to say that as someone who spends a disproportionate amount of their free time dissecting what makes this fandom what it is, I really don't blame people for having misconceptions about this fandom, nor think poorly of them because they have them. Now, there are always going to be those who like to troll and are purposely ignorant, but even if most open-minded people still find the fandom pretty weird, as long as they have an accurate view of what the people in this community like to do, then I'm happy. But that's enough assuming the outside perspective. Let's dive into some of the more common misconceptions about furries and look at how we can set the record as straight as we can. Alright, let's take a look at some of the common things people tend to get wrong about the furry fandom. And we'll start by looking at one of, if not the most popular misconception that people have about members of the fandom. Thinking that furries think they're actually animals. Now, straight away, that's an interesting way to phrase things because at the end of the day, we are indeed animals. 
We may be extremely special and unique ones, but we still fit all of the definitions that would classify us as mammals. But saying that furries think they are animals can typically be considered shorthand for thinking that furries think they are non-human animals somehow trapped inside a human body. Now, if you think about it, I think you can understand where these people are coming from. One of the first things members of the fandom do is come up with an animal that has human features and represents them in some way. So, a line can be drawn to thinking that fursonas are their way of expressing the animal they think they are actually are on the inside. And a furry's gut reaction might be to shut this one down pretty quickly and say that no, we don't think we're actually animals, we know and understand we are humans, but we like to act as fictional, made-up human animal characters in a make-believe setting. And while that is very much the case, there is a little bit of crossover in this fandom with people who actually do fit the former definition, and those who do believe in some way that they are in fact part animal, part human. Now, these individuals are called Therians, and they are their own group of people who identify as non-human animals, and some of them do participate in the furry fandom. But it is technically inaccurate to conflate these two groups of people, and while Therians might be furries, being a furry does not make you a Therian. Now, if that is one of the most common misconceptions about people in the furry fandom, the one that is probably right next to it in popularity is the idea that furries have relationships with animals. And in this case, the word relationship typically means something more than the relationship we would have with a pet, for example. This could easily tie into the previous misconception, but there are several people out there that think that furries have relationships with animals in all the same ways that humans have relationships with other humans, and I'll let you extrapolate that as far as you dare choose to. But unlike the last one, this one is pretty easy to denounce in its entirety. Furries do not have relationships with animals that are analogous to human relationships in any way. When it comes to their interest in animals, furries are interested in ideas about animals, like how they would look if they could speak like humans, walk like humans, or have human jobs. But all of that is based in fantasy, and members of this community have a full understanding that animals are animals, and how we interact with them is fundamentally different from how we interact with other humans in pretty much all aspects. In fact, furries are quite proactive about this, and if there is anyone that is even remotely tied to having any type of inappropriate relationship with real animals, they are aggressively shunned and thrown out of this fandom. Furries have too much respect for animals to want them to be abused or mistreated in any way, and you will not see a group of people remove someone like that from their space quicker than members of the furry fandom. As we continue down our list here, there are a number of misconceptions about the furry fandom that all surround the notion of how sex-positive the community happens to be. I guess it's difficult for a lot of people to separate the community's interest in anthropomorphic animals and the views that some of its members have on sex, because another really common misconception about furries is that being one is a sex-related interest. 
Now, I always try to be transparent with you when I try to talk about things that I'm not too familiar with, and that definitely goes for things regarding sex. But in a nutshell, there are many ideas out there that think that people join the fandom to have sex with other furries, and that the characters and the costumes that they have and wear respectively add to the fantasy of it all. And much like the first one that we went over, this one can be tricky to navigate, because for a lot of members of the fandom, that is part of the experience that they like to have. If anything, the idea that this fandom at a macro scale is sex positive is not a misconception, and while there is still some animosity within the fandom towards people who use it as an avenue for sex, as long as it's consensual, most members don't really see a problem with that. But the thing with this misconception in particular still goes back to the first one, where enjoying sex with other members of this fandom is not part of the definition of being a furry. I think of it more as an optional extra. If you want to explore that side of the fandom, you can, but not doing so doesn't disqualify you from being a furry. It is not a sex interest itself, but there are parts of it that are less safe for work than others. And again, as long as it's legal and consensual, that's still completely valid. Now, this next one is also related to sex, but more on the topic of sexual orientation. Another really common misconception about this fandom is that all furries are gay. Now, if you remember when I said earlier in this episode that there was an exception to the idea that this fandom can't be narrowed down to one demographic, this is more or less it. The numbers don't lie. A majority of members in this fandom do identify as men, and a majority of those men identify as gay. So if you want to do some lazy rounding, it's pretty easy to come to the conclusion that all furries must be gay. But while a good number of them are, the fandom is filled with people from all sorts of sexual and gender identities, which means obviously that not all of them are gay. It's not a requirement to become a member of the fandom, and being a furry most certainly doesn't turn you gay in any way. Now again, playing a little devil's advocate here, a lot of people use the term gay to mean anything that's not straight, and it is true that being straight in this fandom does mean you are in the minority. But to say that all furries are gay is too blunt of a statement to make, as the makeup is a lot more diverse than just made up of gay men. Now the final misconception that I want to go over on this episode today isn't as important to ensure that people get right, but it tends to come up a lot with people who have no interest in joining the fandom and with those who may be considering it for themselves. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you can probably make a good guess on what it's going to be, as it's one of those hills that I will continue to die on. It regards fursuits, and there's a common misconception that all furries have one, or that you need to get one in order to be a member of the fandom. Now, I've spent too much time going over why this isn't the case. You can be a furry without ever having a suit, and furs who do have them are no more than a furry than someone who doesn't. But I think this idea actually ties into another misconception that I think goes a little underreported on. You will rarely hear someone outright say this, but it's implied in a lot of other preconceived notions that people may have about the fandom, and it's that all furries are wealthy. And again, I think you could see where this comes from. 
A lot of people's introduction to this fandom comes from fursuiters, a costume that is typically quite expensive and requires a decent amount of disposable income to acquire. But this also manifests itself in other ways, including furs that seem to get new, highly detailed art of their fursona seemingly every week, to seeing those furries that somehow seem to be able to attend every convention throughout the year. And while being a furry can be expensive, saying that all furries are wealthy is simply not accurate. Some may not have all the shiny, fun things that others can afford, but furries come from all sorts of income levels, and there is no true threshold that you have to reach in order to be an active participant in this community. Again, this plays into the true diversity that is shown in the members of this fandom. Being a furry is truly for everyone, no matter how much money you may make on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll be honest, I've really wanted to do an episode like this for a while, for a couple of different reasons. One, I think it's important to understand the facts about this fandom and be a source of education for those who may be less informed about this community. But two, I really did want to shed some light on the other side of the aisle, so to speak, and try to show furs who know all of this stuff where these misconceptions come from. Now, I'm naturally biased and I can only speak from my own experiences, but a lot of people that I've talked to about this fandom are genuinely curious about their perception of it. They may not know about these misconceptions, but aren't all that sure if they are true themselves. Some of my closest friends have asked me about all of these ideas, but come at it from an angle where they asked, is this true about the fandom, rather than instantly accepting it as a fact. It's pretty natural to be curious about a group of fellow humans engaging in something so unique, and if you have the opportunity to course correct someone's outlook on this fandom, you should do so with a kind spirit. And of course, this wasn't an exhaustive list, but I do hope you are now armed with a better understanding of where these misconceptions about the furry fandom come from, and what to say to set things right. Alright, that concludes this episode of Furry Explained. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I really hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something new today. As always, if you want to continue the conversation about misconceptions about this fandom, or have any other feedback or suggestions for topics for the show, you can find and follow me on Twitter. I'm at FinnThePanther, and a link to my Twitter is down in the show notes along with some other resources about some of the other misconceptions out there about the fandom that you should definitely check out. As always, if you do like the show and want to support it, the best way to do that is to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to give the show a rating and a review as well. You can also just tell people about the show, and if they don't know where to start looking, you can point them to pod.link slash furryexplained to find the show on their platform of choice. Thank you so much for doing so, and we'll be back next week for another episode of Furry Explained. But until then, 
Stay wild out there. Peace.